Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Well, we got to talk about Washington and Oregon Saturday, Autzen Stadium, big rivalry game. Here to talk about it, Elise Woodward, uh, Pac-12 Network, ESPN, does some radio up in the Seattle area, joining us now. Hey, how are you? Good, John. What's happening? Not a whole lot. I was at the Oregon State-Washington game, and I happened to hear you. Were you doing sideline reporting, or what were you doing for that game? I was. Yep, I uh, was doing sideline reporter for. Uh, I'm the sideline reporter for the Washington Huskies. So, okay, I'm, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, John. I've seen a lot of Oregon Washington games. <laughs> yes, you have. All right, so, to, first of all, tell tell our listeners what it was like on the field last Friday night at Husky Stadium because I was down there in the pregame and I almost blew into the uh, into the waters out there. <laughs> Um, it, it was bad. It was definitely the worst weather game of the year. We've been so lucky. We have not got rained on one time this season, knock on wood. And I don't think we're going to see rain on Saturday. So for me, that's been brilliant because I don't like sitting down there in the rain. But um, in terms of the wind, it, it was pretty fierce for Washington, uh, for Husky Stadium. But it wasn't anything that we haven't seen in the past. Um, the, the tricky part for the kicking game and for the passing game is that when it comes off the lake, you can feel it down on that end and it, and it is more fierce and when you get to the other end of the field the wind turns directions it swirls it is a bizarre thing for opponents to go in there and try to predict i think that's one of the reasons why jonathan smith went for it two times on fourth down didn't get it but i I, it's really difficult to for a kicker in those elements when the wind is swirling yeah i think uh it was a it was a fun game it was a good pac-12 game washington obviously uh, getting itself back on track this season. Michael Penix Jr., Kalen DeBoer, a lot of fun. What are you seeing in this team? When Washington's at its best, Elise, what, what's going right? What's going well? You know, it's so funny, John, because it's the total opposite from last year. And obviously last year they struggled. They were only 4-8. and eight. But this team was supposed to have a really good offensive line last year. They were picked by many to be the best line in the Pac-12. And then they just struggled. And a lot of it was scheme, and a lot of it was their offense and what John Donovan was asking them to do. The offensive line has been really good this year, and it's played a part, obviously, with how well Michael Penix has played. Michael Penix has not been pressured much at all. Uh, He has not been flushed out of the pocket. He has not been sacked a lot. Um, And he's been given time to sit back there and pick apart defenses. And I'm telling you, Michael Penix is the best throwing quarterback that we've seen at Washington in quite some time. I mean, he makes NFL-caliber throws. I've been really impressed with him. And... I don't think a lot of people in the Pac-12 really knew about how good Michael Penix was, but if you go back and look what he did at Indiana when he was healthy, and that's in the deal, he beat Penn State, he beat Michigan, he beat Michigan State. This is at Indiana. He was second team all Big Ten despite four season-ending injuries in a row. So now that he's healthy, he's not getting hurt. He does not like to get out of the pocket and run. Um, He's versatile in the pocket. He'll step up. He'll move the pocket. He's not going to take off and go get first downs with his feet very often. Um, that's just not what he does. 
but he has been brilliant throwing the football. And when they're at their best, they're just dissecting defenses. Their wide receiving core um, has been electric at times this year, and it's pretty deep. Um, so he's got a lot of weapons at, at, at his disposal. Penix Jr. is is good. Like he, he, you know, he's a top three quarterback in the Pac-12, and on some nights he's the best in the conference. The defense is puzzling to me because I just is it yeah. is it just that Jimmy Lake's not there, and you know these guys are learning a new system, or was there some sort of widespread personnel change? You know, they haven't been good on defense. Sure. Yeah, no, and that has been – look, the loss at Arizona State was mind-blowing because they should have won that game going away, but their defense could not get a stop against a backup quarterback, um, and that's one that you just shake your head. And um, there's a couple of reasons. One, they lost two of the best cornerbacks in the nation last year, their two starters, Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie. One was a first-round NFL draft pick. One was a second-round NFL draft pick. They are both phenomenal athletes. Those guys were early entrants to the NFL – um, so that was, I don't think it was unexpected that they were going to leave, but they didn't recruit behind them. They just didn't have two top draft picks at their disposal. Most people don't. Um, so that, obviously they're not going to be as good on the back half of the defense as they were last year with those two losses. That coupled with they've had massive injuries in their secondary. It, it has been brutal. The only guy that's really been healthy throughout the season has been Alex Cook. Asa Turner, their senior safety He's been hurt. Julius Irvin has been lost for the season, we just found out. Mish Powell, their starting corner, missed three games um, because of injury. Um, uh, it has just been on and on and on. They have not been healthy. Now, they had the bye week, and they were better against Oregon State. I don't think, you know, with their backup quarterback, the Beavers really tried to test them that much through the air, and, you know, obviously they didn't have success. But I think that's a significant concern as they face Bonex in this offense is that their secondary has to play better than it did when they were injured. But they are healthier in the secondary now, and they also are going to get back what could be their best linebacker in Eddie Ulofosio. Um And that could be a massive help for the defense that has struggled at times. Elise Woodward with us, Pac-12 Network, ESPN, also a uh, sideline reporter for Washington Football Broadcast. What would beating Oregon at Autzen Stadium mean for Kalen DeBoer at this point of his of his tenure at Washington? You know, I think it obviously would be big. One, Oregon is undefeated in the Pac-12. Two, we all know the bitter rivalry, and um, it's interesting that it's two first-year coaches that are trying to learn <laughs> the lay of the land, and it's like, wait, Wazoo, we don't hate Wazoo as much as we hate Oregon, and I'm sure that, you know, Landing is during, wait, we hate the Huskies more than the Beavers? What? Like, what's going on? So you got two first-year coaches that are trying to get a feel for the bitterness of this rivalry, and so it doesn't matter if you're first-year, 10-year, 20-year, this is a rivalry game, and the two fan bases to test each other and so either side it's a huge win but especially because there's so much on the line if he knocks up Oregon and they're undefeated in the Pac-12 and he keeps them you know they're obviously looking to you know make the playoffs that would be a huge victory for them and they're Washington's playing for a lot as well it, um, you know they, they're trying to get to a better bowl and beating Oregon State when they were ranked that was big for them so they're, they're seven and two so you know, they're trying to get to a 10-win season and, you know, chance at 11 with a bowl. So this is a big game for them as well. So um, it's going to be fun. Uh, two ranked teams going at it at Austin Stadium, and uh, it's been a minute. It's been a while since the Huskies have been down there. Yeah, it feels it's going to be fun, and I think it's it obviously got a big game. And 
uh, you know, the Pac-12 in general, Lise, as you look at, you know, UCLA, USC potentially leaving the conference, how did that go over in your world? How much talk about that is around the Washington program? I know Oregon and Washington kind of have been uh, reportedly walking in lockstep and exploring in lockstep. It looks like they're all going to stay put, but how big a story has that been in Seattle? Oh, I think it's been big. I, I don't think there's any question that it's kind of in the back of everybody's mind, and it's unsettling. I mean, I, I'm a Eugene kid. I don't know if you know that. I went to North Eugene High School. My brother played football at Oregon. I, my sister went to Oregon State. I'm a Northwest kid. I grew up on Pac-12 everything. Um, I, I, I bleed the Pac-12. I love it. I, I'm thrilled to work for the Pac-12 conference and get to call these games and teams that, and the rivalries that I've been covering literally since I was born. Uh, when UCLA and USC, when I heard that news, it, it was a shock. It was an utter disbelief that they would walk away. And it, it clearly is just about the money. It, and so that's frustrating. And, and college football has changed so much. And I have major concerns as a college sports fan in that if you take away the rivalries and you take away, um, you know, the college football feel um, and all of a sudden it becomes pseudo-professional, then it, that's you're not as good as the pros, right? The reason why everybody loves college sports is because you believe for those rivalries and the atmosphere and everything like that. So college sports is at a crossroads right now, and I, I got concerns. But I'm hoping that the Pac-10 will stay together, and whether they add SDSU or whatever the case may be, I don't care. Um, I just want college football to ha- maintain rivalries. And, I mean, can you imagine if you weren't going to play Oregon and Washington every year or Oregon State, the Apple Cup, the Civil War, the – I mean, it just, it's mind-boggling to me, and I would hate to see that it ever comes to something like that. Elise Woodward is with us, uh, Pac-12 Network, ESPN, also uh, Washington sideline reporter. You talk about your history, man, with, with, you know, siblings and your connection to the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it's got to be fun for you to be, you know, covering things that you grew up watching. Oh, God, I, I love it. It's an absolute thrill for me. I mean, I, I was a kid that I was at Matt Court, I mean, running around watching Don Munson. I got, I guess the Don Munson came in and, um, you know, talked with him one day just about, I remember watching you on the sidelines. Like, you know, Rich Brooks was the guy when I was a kid growing up, you know, going to Austin Stadium and seeing all that. And I remember the teams coming in. And I just, I love Pac-12. And I chose to stay and I played basketball at Washington. I wanted to stay in the Pac-12. And, um and so I came up here to Seattle to go to UW. Um, but I love it. I love everything about it. I understand the history and the tradition. I understand just what it means to each school, to each community. Um, and, you know, this week I, I get a lot of grief, a lot of grief from my friends. But a lot of them still, you know, live in Eugene. And um, a lot of Duck fans are my friends growing up there. I still keep in touch with a lot of them. So, And, of course, my brother, uh, he likes to send me all kinds of um, – anecdotes this week so uh <laughs> so far so good though i haven't got a lot of grief yet john <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because i i feel like washington has already had a successful season and in a lot of ways i think oregon state is kind of flirting with hey we've had a successful season it, but i don't think it's necessary for washington to win this game but i think if oregon loses this game i think people are going to look back and go hey it was a really nice season but uh, it, what is Washington playing for in your mind in this game? Um, I mean, I still think there's that outside chance they haven't been eliminated of playing in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, so there's that. I think that each and every win at this point, you're just increasing the level of bowl game that you get to go to. Um, 
Right now, they're slated to go to the Sun Bowl. It's the one bowl that UW has not been to in the last 20 years. They've been to every other bowl. It's been rather odd how they've been to every bowl. They've been to the Las Vegas Bowl a couple of times. Other than that, they haven't really doubled up on any bowls, which has been interesting. Um, but, you know, for them, it's just about having the best season possible, getting to double-digit wins. The Kalen DeBoer era, getting it off to a, a great start. Um, and as you mentioned, this rivalry game, it, it means so much just in its own. Um, certainly, it's not one of those things where, oh, you, for either one of these teams, they have much bigger aspirations than just beating Washington or just beating Oregon. There's a lot more on the line. So, you know, for them, it's a chance to knock off Oregon. It's a top 10 team right now and do it in you know, a really difficult place to play that'll be packed and screaming and ornery and, and, you know, just ready to beat the Huskies into the ground. So they're going to have to be prepared to do that. And, you know, there's nothing better than going on into a a road stadium and quieting the crowd, and and that's going to be their challenge. At least tell me this. If Washington wins this game, what do they absolutely have to do? Uh, You know, meaning, you know, what one thing does Washington absolutely have to do to be in this game? Well, I think that their strength, and they have to rely on that strength, is they have to be able to move the football. They're going to have to put points on the board. They're going to have to outscore Oregon, which has such an electric offense. And it's a tall task because Oregon has been absolutely cruising over the last eight weeks. So that's the reason why Oregon is a heavy favorite, because Washington's defense has not slowed anybody. They haven't stopped anybody to win games. They did better against Oregon State. They trended better against Cal. They're training better now that they're healthy. But this is a huge test for them against, you know, one of the best offenses, certainly in the Pac-12, and it, to go into their home arena. They have to be able to move the ball, to keep drives alive on third down. Um, and they've proven they can do that. Uh, they've proven they can do that. It's not a stretch. Um, and then their defense just has to be good enough to, you know, give the offense a chance to go and win the game. What's your pick? Are you making a pick on this game? Do you do picks on this game, or do you like to just you know, see it I mean, I, shoot. I mean, it's, I mean, if you're just talking about on paper, Oregon's a heavy favorite, it'd be silly to say, oh, you know. I mean, if I knew picks, if I like, I like to talk about things as, as they happen. Yeah. Predicting is, you know, I mean, everybody, you just look like a fool if you predict games. But Oregon's a, a favorite, you know, is the only way that Washington, I think, is, you know, going to have a chance to pull up this upset is that uh, if Oregon's tight and they're playing not to lose and Washington can go in there and play free um, and try to pull the upset off. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, in terms of making a prediction, nah, I mean, shoot, I'm not that good. <laughs> it doesn't mean nothing, right? It's just throwing out a guess. I will see you at the stadium. I appreciate you joining us. And, uh, have, you know, you're having a lot. You look like you're having a lot of fun covering these games. And keep, keep it up, please. God, yeah. I, I love it, and keep keep your nose to the grindstone on the uh, on the whole Pac-12, Big Ten. I mean, I, I read it religiously because uh, you know all of us. It's such a big deal, and I feel like you've been on top of it like none other. So I personally appreciate that. So thanks well, thank for you. We'll see you on Saturday, John. I oh, appreciate yeah. you. All right, appreciate that. Elise Woodward, there she is, Pac-12 Network, ESPN sideline reporter for Washington football. Um, I, I think if the Ducks. You know, barring a three or four turnover game, which could happen, I think Oregon runs away with the game. And I think there's a chance Oregon really runs away with the game. I just think there's a big separation between the top two or three teams in the conference 
and then those teams in the middle tier. And I'm going to put Washington in that middle tier. I'm going to put Oregon State in that middle tier. There's really two teams living in the, you know, let's call it zone two. Uh, zone one, if we're, if we're boarding a plane and they go zone A, you can board the plane now. It's Oregon, it's USC, it's UCLA, and hell, I'm going to let Utah get on the plane because Utah is the defending champion, and they have shown uh, that they have a puncher's chance in any given game. After that, I'm going zone B. It's Washington and it's Oregon State. Then there's a gap after that to zone C, and that's what we're talking about. I think Washington's a zone B team, and I think there's a gap between the A's and the B's. So I think of Oregon playing, if this game were at Husky Stadium and it were last Friday night with the wind howling, talk about fortune, I think it would be a very different game. I think it could be, that could be Washington's game against Oregon. Who knows? But at Autzen Stadium, on what should be a game played in the mid to high 40s, partly cloudy with some sunshine, Bo Nix and the Ducks, I, I think they're going to put up a bunch of points against Washington. Leave it here. Anna's popping into the studio, plus the 5 at 5 coming up. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Five at five coming up top of the hour. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, will be joining us. Anna has popped into the studio. She went to the dentist today. She had a very different experience than I had at the dentist today. As I went in and the dental assistant peppered me with questions. Where do you live? How long have you lived here? How many kids do you have? Are you married? How much does a human head weigh? I don't know. I just <laughs> uh, I got peppered and I finally, I was being intentionally vague felt like I was in a massage or in an Uber where the professional involved was not respecting that I just kind of wanted a quiet experience. And it was in the morning time. Yeah. So I very politely told her, hey, I'm not real comfortable with all the questioning. You yeah. know, let's not do this small talk. Uh-huh. Thing. Yeah. You went in later. You yeah. encountered the same. Same. Professional. Same professional. <laughs> Guess what she said to me right off the bat. Steven, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Steven's ready. She yeah. said, oh, uh, well, are you okay with, uh, well, we first began with some chat about the weather, you know. Okay, that's fine. Yeah? Ask me about the weather. Yeah. Beautiful day outside. Don't ask me, like, what size pants I'm wearing. I don't, that's personal information. Okay. I, I don't think you knew that, like, this was our first appointment with a new dentist, so it's mm -hmm. literally called, like, the get-to-know-ya appointment. But I don't need to give, like, <laughs> what does that have to do with my dental care? With a, the, how many kids do I have? Where do I live? How long have I lived here? Those like, aren't abnormal questions to ask somebody when you're meeting them. I think it's kind of rude. Oh, my gosh. And so before she launched into any of those kind of questions mm -hmm. with me, I, I hear I was hoping like I, you didn't tell me, you didn't tell me the name of the assistant. I knew I had an appointment the same day to go in and have the same kind of get to know you thing. And I was just praying, dear God, please don't be the same assistant. Lo and behold, yeah. we're like two minutes in and she says, um, is it okay if I just kind of ask you some questions to get to know you? Because I don't think your husband was comfortable with any of, like, with me yeah. asking those kind of questions. 
And I said, ask away. Let me ask you about oh, you. No. Where are you from? That's so wrong. No, no. I said, well, That's you know, so wrong. he can, He's he a can private person. be a selectively private person. Here's the thing Very that I don't understand. Person. And here's the thing that I don't understand. <laughs> you host a radio show. Very private. You... <laughs> You talk extensively about our children, where you're from. Anybody who's listened to this show for any length of time knows roughly where you grew up, uh, a lot about your background, That's, but it's our re- parenting philosophies. You could argue that you share more personal information on this show over the course of how many years you've been doing it than, than what you would ever disclose to a dental assistant in a 15-minute appointment. Well, but, she wants to know. She should listen to the show then. <laughs> you're damn oh, right. Stephen. I you're not told her, helping Tune her. in, 3 to 6 p.m. You want to know about me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, what does that have to do with my dental care? Why? <laughs> why? Why do I have to tell somebody where I live or how long <laughs> I live there or if I'm married, kids, whatever? You know? Yeah. Was she trying to date me or is she just oh trying to build rapport? Gosh. What's going on here? Well, presumably this is somebody that we're going to see semi-regularly, you know, twice like a twice year. a year. Twice a year. That's not regularly. <laughs> <laughs> see her as often as I, I, I might as well go into the grocery store and tell the clerk, hey, I wear, this is the size pants I wear. Uh, oh by the way, gosh, I'm an 11 and a half not, on my, I wear an 11 and a half shoe. That's not the same. You know, boxer briefs. You know, oh, what, what do I have to share? Such a grump. <laughs> the five at five is next. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.